Well, unfortunately, I don't have enough candy canes to share with uh, all the adults here this morning. But Julie said that Jesus is worth spending your whole life, life following, worshiping, and telling people about. So, Julie, thank you for that fantastic reminder to us this morning. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Our focus this morning is related to that third aspect about telling people about Jesus. And more specifically, we're going to focus not just on telling, but on communication. And not just on any communication, but on God's communication to us. So a few weeks ago, I was at a a military event, and there was a, a number of different speakers there, and they were sharing different resources for service members and their families. And I've been in the Army for a a little over six years now, so a lot of it I had kind of heard before. But there was one speaker who gave this really striking brief, and his focus was on communication and specifically how families, especially spouses, can overcome obstacles in order to communicate better. Now, the the speaker gave a, a number of helpful pieces of advice on communicating better. He, he pointed out that communication requires at least two people, one to do the talking and one to do the listening. But the piece of guidance he gave that's really stuck in my mind wasn't on the talking side of communication. It was on that listening side. His advice for better, more effective communication was this, to listen with the intent to understand. Now, this struck me initially as, as being a little, little obvious, right? If you're on the receiving end of communication, if you're listening, of course you want to understand. But the speaker gave a, a few examples of lift, listening for purposes other than this intent to understand. Things like listening, but just waiting for the other person to stop talking so you can say what you want to say or listening, but you're selectively listening. You're waiting to hear those words or phrases that just confirm what you're already thinking. You're looking for those pieces of evidence to uh, confirm your assumptions in whatever the other person is saying. And as I thought more about it, this idea of listening with the intent to understand, it's just not as obvious or as simple as what it sounds. And so, This morning, as we turn to our main scripture passage, I'd like you to listen with the intent to understand what God is communicating to us through his word. So with that, let's turn to scripture this morning. Our main scripture passage is the beginning of the gospel of John, starting at chapter 1, verse 1. And if you're following along in your pew Bibles, it should be on page 1613. The Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. 
He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of, the, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, these first 18 verses of the Gospel of John are a little bit different from the way that the other three Gospels begin. We see in the Gospel of Matthew that it begins with the genealogy of Jesus. It traces the family line from Abraham to David to Jesus before actually beginning the story of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark dives just right in by introducing John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus, and so we don't even read about the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Luke strikes kind of a, a balance between the two. He doesn't go back 42 generations like what Matthew did, but he doesn't leap ahead of the birth of Christ like what the Gospel of Mark did either. Instead, he, he begins with the foretelling of the birth of John the Baptist to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then the birth of Jesus to Mary. But the Gospel of John begins differently. These first 18 verses of John are known as the prologue of John. And it's in these 18 verses that John lays out the purpose for his entire Gospel, and that purpose is this, that the incarnation that Christ being born to dwell among us is part of God's perfect communication to the world. Now, in, in just a moment, we're going to look at how our, our passage speaks to how God speaks to us through the Gospel of John to show us how this incarnation, Christ's incarnation, is God's perfect communication. But before we dive into that, we need to see some of the barriers that God overcame and communicating to us through Christ's arrival. And that first barrier to communication that God overcame through the incarnation is that intent to understand from a few minutes ago. Now, this, this barrier has been on, on my heart a lot in the last month because about a week or so before I was at that Army event and, and heard the speaker teaching about communication, I had a, 
a really difficult phone call with someone. They called and they said that they, they wanted to hear my, my thoughts on something, but every time I responded and I tried to offer an explanation, it's like I was talking to a brick wall. The, the person just carried on talking as if I hadn't said anything at all, and no matter how many different ways I tried to explain things, it was just one of those circular conversations, and I'll admit it was very frustrating, and, and, and I was pretty upset by about it. It was one of those afternoons where I'm really glad to have godly co-workers like Kyle, Rex, Kyle right next door to, to pray with me and, and for me. But as I've, I've processed that, that phone call in the last month, it's become clear that the, the purpose of that phone call, of that communication, wasn't to achieve understanding. They, they wanted to revel in their emotions a little and they needed to vent. That was pretty clear. I don't think there was anything I could have said that would have actually achieved that understanding. And I'm pretty sure that's because I don't think they were listening with that intent to understand, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who's had a conversation like that. I'm sure we've all had frustrating and seemingly futile conversations, just like what I had. And if you can't think of one off the top of your head, just Think of the last time you had a conversation where either you or the person you were speaking with said something like, you're not listening to me, or you're just not hearing me. I think that the fact that we've all had conversations like this at some point in our lives tells us that there's just something about being imperfect human beings that results in this occasional communication lacking the intent to understand. And that's a barrier that God had to overcome in communicating to us through the incarnation. God had to communicate who he is and his perfect, undeserved love and grace to a world full of humans lacking the intent to understand what it was he was trying to communicate. And the difficulty wasn't with God, it was with us. Now, another barrier that God had overcome through the incarnation was uh, communicating despite expectations and assumptions. Now, for the better part of two millennia, God had been telling his people that he was going to send a Messiah, a Savior. He spoke to his people through prophets, and it was through the prophets he even made it clear that the Savior would arrive humbly and that he would suffer and sacrifice for us. Now, maybe it was being enslaved by the Egyptians for 400 years, or in conflict with the tribes of the Promised Land after that, or maybe it was being conquered and exiled by the Babylonians, but somehow the Israelites, God's people, had gotten it into their minds that that promised Messiah would be some sort of earthly conquering king. And God's people believed that they would, that this Savior would overthrow the Roman government, who was the, the latest in the long line of oppressors. This was the false expectation that God had to overcome in communicating the incarnation. And the final barrier, and I think it's the, the root cause of the other two, was simply human sin and the hardening of hearts that results. 
It was hardened hearts that didn't want light shed on those sinful, dark corners of hearts. It was hardened hearts that didn't want to recognize the distance that that sin caused between them and God, and that it was their own fault, and that there was nothing they could do for themselves to wipe away that debt of sin. Friends, before we see how God overcame these barriers in our passage from John, first we need to see that God's people back in the first century A.D. weren't the only ones to try and put up these barriers. People today are still trying to put up these barriers. People today can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but without that intent to understand, the truth of Christ fails to take root in their hearts, and it's as if they never heard the gospel at all. People today still have wrong assumptions and expectations about God and what it means to seek him and about what it means to follow him with their entire lives. And people today still grapple with sinful, prideful hearts that don't want to turn away from sin or that they think that somehow they can earn their own forgiveness for their sins. But God overcame these barriers then and now by taking on human flesh, by, by dwelling among us, by bringing grace and truth and making God known to us. And that's exactly what God shows us in these first verses in John. He shows us how his ultimate communication to the world and especially to his people was achieved by sending his son to take on human flesh and to dwell among us. So first, God overcame our, our very human lack of an intent to understand through his own faithful persistence to express himself to us, that is, to make himself known to us. Verses 1 through 3 of our passage, passage explain how the word, which is Jesus Christ, was with God and is God, and through him God made all things. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes that since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. This is what's known as, as general revelation, that we can look out and we can see the world and the universe, and we can see its goodness and beauty and complexity and thereby know that only a loving, all-powerful, eternal God could create such a universe. And yet, for many, this is not enough. And Paul said that we clearly see and therefore are without excuse, but Paul continues in the very next verse by saying that although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Friends, this is seeing without an intent to understand. And yet, in his infinite grace, God persists in drawing us to himself, and he refuses to allow those foolish, darkened hearts to remain in shadow. Verses 4 and 5 in our passage 
In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ is life, and the light that cannot be overcome by the darkness of sinful human hearts. And John continues to explain the light of Christ in this way in verses 9 through 11, that the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through, the, through him the world was made. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Christ came to the world that was created through him, and yet he wasn't recognized. He was this long-awaited Savior, but he didn't arrive as a conquering king prepared to overthrow the Roman government and reestablish Israel as a nation of the world. In other words, Jesus came in a way that wasn't expected. He came in a way that didn't match up with the assumptions of God's people but he overcame those expectations and assumptions. Verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. God himself made his dwelling among us, He came not as this earthly conquering king who would take on the Romans through overwhelming worldly force, but as the king of kings who would conquer not nations and empires through force and armies, but would conquer sin and death through humility and sacrifice, grace and truth. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul describes the incarnation of Christ, the the word becoming flesh in this way. He wrote, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So it was through his birth, through his taking on human flesh, and through that death on a cross that Christ overcame that barrier of human sin and hardened hearts. Verses 16 and 17. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Friends, there was grace in God's law that he had given to his people through Moses. It it pointed us towards holiness in accordance with God's will for our lives. But both then and now, God's people are unable to perfectly keep his law, and sometimes that law is twisted or misinterpreted, or even misused as the Pharisees in Jesus' time did. But it's through Christ's incarnation a greater grace still was given. 
Paul explains that greater grace in Galatians chapter 4 when he wrote that when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. This is what John meant in verses 12 and 13 when he wrote that all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Friends, this is how God overcame human sin and hardened hearts through the coming of Christ, by taking those who received Christ and adopting them as his own children. And by sending the Holy Spirit of Christ into those hardened hearts to soften them and to start to shape them into a heart like Christ's. And it was through Christ that we are adopted as children of God, and as children of God, we share in the inheritance of eternal life with God. Near the beginning of, of his prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus prayed this. He, he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know you and they know Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the purpose of God's perfect communication through Christ's incarnation, that those who receive him would know the Father and his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. The final verse in our main scripture passage, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. This is what we celebrate on Christmas, the Father sending the one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to overcome the barriers that we have erected by becoming flesh, by dwelling among us in order to communicate himself to us, to make God known to us. This is why Jesus is the greatest gift, and this is why the gift was given. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's glorify God now by turning to him in prayer. Please join me. Lord God, we, we praise you on this chilly but sunny Christmas morning with hearts bursting with gratitude that you saw us lost in our sin and in darkness and in your grace that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to become flesh, to dwell among us, 
to show us what it means to live in perfect accordance with your will, and finally, to die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, we are astounded and amazed at your faithfulness to us, to your people throughout the centuries and millennia, that even as we have wandered away, that you have remained faithful to us, and that in your persistence, you found a way to communicate yourself perfectly to us so that we would know you. And so our prayer this Christmas morning, Lord, is that as we continue to know you, as we continue to study your word, that we would be so overcome with gratitude that we would respond by telling others about Jesus Christ, about our, about our loving God who loved us so much that he took on human flesh to dwell among us, to bring us grace and truth. Continue to soften our hearts, Lord, so that we can speak out of gratitude and love for you in telling others about Jesus Christ. And it's in his holy name we pray these things. Amen.